young couple had only been married a few weeks, and as the husband was leaving to go to work one Monday morning, the wife looked at him and, and said, don't forget to bring home another mousetrap. And he stopped and he turned around and he says, I thought I brought you one Saturday. She said, you did. It's full now. Things get full sometimes. You use them. Things happen like that and you just get busy and you have a closet that you throw things in over a period of time and it gets full of clutter or a cabinet that you shove things back in and it just remains there. And there should always be that time when you go back and clean that out. I grew up in a household where my mother would refer to any day as spring cleaning. It could be December the 28th, and she'd say, we're, we're doing screen, uh, spring cleaning today to get things out. My mother didn't like clutter. But I, I want to talk today not about the clutter that we might have in our house or our car or our office or our workshop or our, our man cave. I want to talk about the clutter we have sometimes in our life and how we need to clean that out to begin the new year in the way that we should. The reality is, sometimes we forget that we're not living our life for us. We're living it for God. We're doing what He's called us to do. We're following after what He has desired for us to become and to be. For many of us, it's... We're going to go home, take down the Christmas decorations, as, uh, as Gina mentioned. We're going to clean all that up. Some of us are going to enjoy Christmas so much, we're going to leave it up till March. This is Selma. Anything can happen, you know. But the reality is we put things away and we start over this time of year, and it's important to do that. And we need to be focused on that in a realistic way. Uh, we do that many times because it makes us feel better to think about it. And we're all going to have those New Year's resolutions. You'll set them one way or the other. Hopefully you won't speak them out loud to anybody that will hold you to task. Or maybe you should do that. A man walked into the bathroom one morning and he stood matter-of-factly right before the scales and his wife out to the side in the hallway was watching him. As he began to step up on the scales, he sucked his gut in. And he stood there, and his wife said, Honey, that's not going to change the numbers on there. He said, No, but it helps me to see the numbers. <laughs> Sometimes we realize we're at a place where we need to fix things. We need to work on it. And all of us spiritually are there. All of us need to work on that in our life to make sure that we're everything God wants us to be. End-of-the-year stuff, it's that way. I heard a number yesterday on the radio, 42% of Dallas County is obese. Most of us realize we need to change, we're out of shape, we need to get in shape, we get up to move, and as a friend of mine used to say, when you get up in the morning, you go to the breakfast table, you hear snap, crackle, and pop, and you haven't even gotten the cereal out yet, you know you're old. And I'm that way. I get up and, and my left knee is ready to go and my right knee is like, let's go back to bed. We're all there. We all understand that. But the reality is we've got to be willing to change because change is a part of our lives. We're never going to stop changing. We're moving in that direction and God wants us to be prepared for that. You know, Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Remember this, our first line of action in the new year is thinking. 
we don't think we're not going to do. It's hard to stand back and look at yourself, spiritually speaking, and, and take an inventory. We can do that in a mirror for ourselves physically, but spiritually, how do you do that? It's similar. You stand before God's Word. You read God's Word honestly, not for somebody else's benefit, but for your own. You bow your head and you pray and you allow the Holy Spirit to look within you to see how you should change. Are there habits that you need to eliminate? Are there problems that have set into your life that you allow there? Are there situations in, in, in that, that, that have been there way too long and need to be cleaned out? They're the clutter of your life. They need to be gone. Cleaning out your spiritual house is not nearly as easy as cleaning out your physical house. You can get your body into shape because there are plenty of people that will help you do that, but you can leave your spiritual condition out of shape. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You see, when you get yourself in spiritual shape, you're not just preparing for today. You're not just preparing for this life. You're preparing for eternity. Your spiritual condition will outlast your body. And that's so important. The last months of Ralph Derryberry's life here on earth were frustrating and painful for the family and for friends. Because we saw that, that, that smile and that joy and that man dissipate. But his spiritual strength grew. And he's a magnificent giant in heaven today. Because so many people are there because of him. He was our encourager, you know that. Anytime I felt a little low or frustrated or I'd gone through a bad time where somebody had, had dissed me and wasn't very kind, I would seek out Ralph Derryberry. And he would give me those words of encouragement. And I often prayed over him that God would give him the encouragement in words that we couldn't speak and he couldn't hear. God gives us the ability to change who and what we are. And make sure you do that. This is the end of the year and we're planning on a new year and, and 2022 is a little bit frightening. Because 2020 wasn't easy and 2021 was just shocking in many ways. Yet we're here for a reason and a purpose. I've had plenty of people say to me, Preacher, don't you think we should have already been raptured into heaven? I said, one would think so. But we're the antidote to the disease of sin. The Holy Spirit within us is for us to get active. I've always believed that Selma, Alabama is a proving ground for the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet so often we hide that power and we don't use it as we should. You know, it's amazing that we forget how important our spiritual growth is as we go through life. The healthiest people in the world can't go to heaven without Jesus. Do you realize that? The richest people in the world can't go to heaven without Christ. The cleanest people in the world are still filthy before God until Jesus becomes their Savior. And the neatest people in the world, they won't go to heaven without Jesus Christ straightening out the problems in their life. 
We must attend to the spiritual side. We must take care of it. We must go after that. Marriage counselor was speaking with a housewife about some issues in their marriage, and he said this. He says, do you feel that your role as a mother and homemaker is beneath you? And she said, absolutely not. I think it's beyond me. Our Christian life is that. It's a challenge. It's beyond us how we can do it. But God will give us the ability through His Holy Spirit to do that, but we've got to access the Holy Spirit, and we've got to yield to the Holy Spirit. So many people don't understand that. We, we think it'll just come along normally. No, not at all. The Apostle Paul put it very plainly in Philippians 3 when he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. No, we don't accidentally become the Christian we need to be. We've got to work at it. We've got to serve our Lord faithfully. We've got to press on. We can't slow down. We can't get discouraged and get sidelined. We can't let someone else move us away from where we should be. Over the years, I've visited many people in many churches and communities who've given up on church, who've walked away from church. And yet they expect Christ to be there with them. And He is. He always is. He never leaves us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yet we leave and forsake Him many times. One of the plainest commandments in all of Scripture is obedience to go to church. Forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. And as much as I love, you know, being able to watch a worship service, you know, on YouTube or, or on cable TV or listen to it on the radio, it's still not the same. We must assemble together because we need the body of Christ. It's not about watching a service. It's about being in service to one another. It's about what you give to the mixture known as church. Every church has people that play different roles. Every church I've ever been in has had a, an Art Scroggins. Art Scroggins is the guy that's up here before anybody else. I came in the other morning. I was here at, at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, and Art came in right behind me. He wanted to know. He said, whose gray truck is that out there? I said, oh, that's my truck. Okay, okay. He walks around, he looks, and, and every church I've been in has had that person that's made sure that everything is ready when people come in to worship. He plays a role. Others have played that role before him. He follows in their footsteps, and hopefully someone will follow in his. What role do you play in this church? What do you give? To whom much is given, much is required. And that's why in church and worship, we give and we sacrifice. We all have our role to play. We have something to do to make the body of Christ healthier, happier, and more focused on, on Christ. And it's so important for us to do that. Chuck Swindle, somebody who I love dearly, wrote a book that, that I've read through probably five times. Three steps forward, two steps back. And sometimes I've read that book and I thought the title is a little wrong. It ought to be two steps forward, three steps back. Because some days I feel like that I've not gained, I've lost, I've, I've fallen behind, I've become frustrated. And then I'm reminded that when you exercise in order to grow your muscles, 
they have to literally be torn to be made strong. That's the only way. You have to suffer. If it doesn't burn, you don't earn. And sometimes the crises of life are what makes you a stronger person. And people spend their life running from those, terrified of those. Yet in that situation, we are grown up in Christ. And this goes for everybody, from the 8-year-old that's just accepted Jesus as Savior to the 88-year-old that's looking down life's corridor and they see, not too far down the road, eternity. We press on. Now, let me just touch on three very quick things that I want you to think about, and that'll be it for this morning. And, and Barry Parker will let you out early. Isn't that great? I, I, I forgot to buy him a present, and this is his present. Three things you need to do. Number one, clean up. I'm not talking about a hot shower or, or, or vacuuming your carpet or shampooing your, you know, your rug. I'm talking about clean up your own life. Look at your life and see, what am I doing that's wasteful? Am I going and sitting someplace to eat a meal every day and all around me are people who are hurting and hopeless and I need to give them encouragement? Is there something I could do to those that I encounter in life to give them a measure of hope? Because I've been given. I need to give back. Clean up the way you do what you do. Decide consciously what you want to change in your life to move closer to the image of Christ. I heard a long time ago from a man who was very successful. H.L. Hunt said, nobody ever accidentally becomes successful in life. They must plan it. And I believe that's true. Secondly, I think you need to shape up. Do a realistic examination of your spiritual condition. And that begins by talking to God. Prayer is conversation with God. Guidance is His speaking back to us through the Holy Spirit, through His Word, and through others. And ask Him to guide you in the direction that the things you need to do to shape up. Do you have unconfessed sin? Sometimes unconfessed sin something as simple as some, you know, somebody will say, why do you do that? And they'll say, well, that's just me. No, it's not just you. Our behavior does not sum up who we are. We all can change. Behaviors can be altered. And many times the behaviors we have that make us up, that people recognize, are not the best thing to make us up. I read the other day in a book that... Um, I've read many, many times, written by a Lutheran minister. And one of the pieces of advice he gave was to write out your own obituary. Write out what you would want to be remembered for. And then if you've got nerve enough, give it to your significant other, the person closest to you in your family. Uh, if you're a dad, don't give it to your children because they'll tear it all to pieces, I promise you. But... Write it out and look at it and say, is this an honest summation of who I am? And then do this. Then write out what you would want to be and let that be your target goal, who you want to become. But lastly, spruce up your life. Some sins can hang around your hearts for so long that they seem like they're part of you. Bad attitudes, negative negatively reinforced behaviors. Things that you see, 
And if you've got nerve enough, ask your best friend. Say, is there something in my life I need to change? And get out a piece of paper and a pencil. Because they will give you, if they're your true friend, they'll give you a list of those things. Because we all have spiritual blind spots. All of us have shortcomings in life. Some of us see those and say, this is just the way I am, this is the way I'll be, and I'll never change. But the reality is, change is what we're to be about. Whether we like it or not, we're changing. I don't know about you, but Scripture is replete with images of how we move closer to the image of Christ. You know what always impressed me, and I'm learning this more and more each day, Jesus didn't always answer his detractors. He stood silent many times. There are times that we need to stand silent and walk away. Because I've learned this, integrity and honesty always stand strong in the face of accusations. Jesus did not dare speak to his detractors, for their words were meaningless up against the life he lived. Live that kind of life. Have that kind of integrity. And never say, I can't become what I want to be. I've got limitations. Don't be like Moses when he complained that God made him the way he was and he could not speak publicly. When God calls, he always prepares and equips us to do what we should do. In John chapter 9, the disciples made a comment to Jesus as they were walking down the way and they saw a man who was blind and everyone knew in the community he had been blind since birth. And they said to him this, they said, Rabbi or Master, they said, who sinned? Because remember, any infirmity or imperfection, they saw that as you know, a response of God towards sin. And they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned? And Jesus looked them in the eye and he said, neither. He's blind to glorify God. Now that threw them a curveball because they believed an imperfect person could not glorify God. They did not believe that there was anything that, that a leper could do that would be before God is honorable because they had set a standard that they could meet and they liked that. But God said, human imperfections and flaws do not prevent you from glorifying God. You see, back then there was what they called the Deuteronomic formula. And it went something like this. It said, if you do good, good things will happen to you. But if you do bad, bad things will happen to you. You see, Jesus came to prove this. And if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. Jesus came to give us what we didn't deserve. Because that's what love is all about. You know the gifts that you gave to one another? I hope you didn't decide about those gifts based on how much you loved someone or how good they were to you. Because there's something in Christmas that we must proclaim to everyone. And that's what grace is. Grace is receiving something you don't deserve. And that's exactly what God does. In the old law, if you did good, you got good things. If you were bad, you, you received bad things. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way I work. If I love you, I'm going to love you unconditionally. And that's exactly what's expected of us. 
Make 2022 a year of change and change the world that you live in. Let us pray. Holy Father, I thank you so much that you bless us with all spiritual blessings from above, not just a few. You don't limit us in any way. You, you grant to us all spiritual blessings, and because of that, there's no limit on what we can do for your kingdom. Now, Father, I pray that in this room and within the sound of my voice, there are many, many people who are making decisions about the next year. Will they continue as they have always continued? Or will they truly change? Will they be willing to go to that person that they're out of fellowship with and restore that relationship? Will they go to that individual that they've avoided and, and, and embrace them again and continue the relationship that God had given them of encouragement and strength? Will they change that attitude within that needs to be altered and changed to become a better person or will they continue to be that individual that others see designed by their flaws and not by their spiritual enhancements? Father, I pray that this would be a time of change for all of us, that we would seek to be better and to do more and to give more freely and to love as you have loved us. Now, Lord, speak to someone now who has a decision to make, and may they decide to follow you in obedience even now. For it's in your holy name I do pray. Amen.